Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today we are joined by Brittany Luce. Brittany is an award-winning journalist and cultural critic who's celebrating her one-year anniversary as the new host at NPR's It's Been a Minute. Brittany also hosted the podcasts for Colored Nerds, Sampler, and The Nod. Turns out Brittany is also an avid reader, and we have the most fun talking about all of the books. Brittany gives me book recommendations, adds a bunch of things to my TBR. We talk about our shared characteristic of being uniquely curious and into gossip. It is a very good time. Remember, our September book club pick is Monsters, A Fan's Dilemma by Claire Dieterer. Brittany will be back to discuss the book on Wednesday, September 27th. Quick reminder, everything we talk about on each episode of The Stacks can be found in the link in the show notes. If you want more of The Stacks, you must join The Stacks Pack at patreon.com slash The Stacks. It's just $5 a month, and when you join, you have access to a bunch of perks like our Discord channel that is a total book lover's dream come true, bonus episodes, including some audio from our tour stops, and our monthly book club meetup that is full of hot takes and very observant insights. Plus, you get to know that your support makes this podcast possible. If you like the Stacks, join the Stacks Pack, because without folks like you joining the Stacks Pack, there is no way that I could make this podcast week in and week out. Head to patreon.com slash the Stacks and join. Here's a shout out to our newest members of the Stacks Pack, Bettina Albert, Alyssa Zuniga, Chelsea Devantes, Jan Jadello, and Lauren Williams. Thank you all so much for joining, and thank you to the entire Stacks Pack. I cannot say it enough. You all are the best, and I simply adore you. Okay, now it's time for my conversation with Brittany Luce. All right, everybody, I am thrilled today to welcome one of the podcasters that I think made me realize it was possible to be a Black woman talking about things independently in podcast, and that is the current host of It's Been a Minute on NPR, but also a previous host of For Color Nerds, a previous host of The Nod, previous host of actually a lot, a lot, a lot of things. But welcome to the stacks, Brittany Luce. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. That's such a generous introduction. Thank you. 
Well, I'm, I'm a fan of yours. I have to tell you, I really, the first time I think that I like really heard about you was I had started the show, my show a little bit before and Jason Reynolds was my guest and he, we were after oh, we wow. talked, yeah. I love he Jason. was like, he was like, do you listen to The Nod or like for Colored Nerds? And I was like, no. And he's like, I think you should. I think oh! you'd really like it. And that was like in 2019, I think. And so I went and I listened and then I like went back and listened to like a lot of stuff. And I was like, yeah, Jason nailed it. So oh, thank, you, thank Jason, you, Jason, for the intro. Love him. <laughs> he's the best. He did your Quibi show, right? Yes, he did our Quibi show. And also I think that um, he and his co-author of... Uh, this book, All American Boys, Brendan. They were the first, yeah. like, guests that were ever pitched to us at for Colored Nerds, like way, 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 way back. I and weirdly that. enough, like randomly, I think we probably mentioned this in Colored Nerds episode, but like I, I when we met in person for the recording, like all those years ago, probably 2016, 2017, um, Jason and I realized that we had been in an Uber pool before. <laughs> how, like, wait, how did so you familiar. realize it? He looked familiar? Yeah, well, because we had chatted a bit in the Uber pool. So like, well, I mean, I was going through this whole thing. I was stressed at work. My arm was in a sling from stress. It was a wild time when I was first at Gimlet. (laughs) I was talking on the phone to my dad that morning about somebody who was pissing me off. And I mean, I had the worst Uber pool etiquette. I would be on the phone the entire time just having personal (laughs) conversations. Um, And when he was getting out of the car, he was just like, you know, it seems like I, I guess I, he's like, he's like, you know, it seems like you have a really like you're in, in a good position in life right now or something like that. He's like, it seems like you're doing a lot of cool stuff with your life. He's like, you know, keep it up. Like, you know, like, I hope I hope things turned out well for you. It was just really nice. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Just you know, Jason Jason. Just two black people in an Uber pool having a chat. That's all. But yeah, I love that. Full I circle love that. moment. Okay, <laughs> we're going to backtrack. I could literally do a whole episode talking about all of my feelings about Jason Reynolds. I won't, <laughs> but I could. And I think I might have found the right person to do that with. So you'll have to come back for a future episode. Um, but let's talk about you. So I always tell people kind of to start here. I gave a, a semi-abridged version of your professional re- resume. But do you want to tell people a little bit about you, where you're from, where you live? You know, just like maybe like your relationship to books, since this is nominally a book show, any sort of general thing that we haven't said that's not on your CV or whatever. So I, um, you've, you've, I mean, you've mentioned that I, I host podcasts for a living. Um, but that was something I didn't start until I was 27. Well, I didn't start hosting a podcast until I was like almost 27 years old, like 26, almost 27. And then I started doing it professionally when I was 27, which was an interesting shift because before then I had had, a cornucopia of jobs. I mean, you name a job pretty much and I did it or I worked in an environment that was adjacent to it um, okay. with the exception of maybe medicine. <laughs> but I, um, so I was like a late bloomer career wise. Um, but when my older sister one time called me a lifelong learner, she's like, you are a lifelong learner. Um, mm. And a big part of that has been reading. I love, I've always loved reading. Um, I learned how to read when I was like, well, before I started school, um, I, my mom was a stay-at-home mom after I was born. I have two sisters, one older, one younger. And before we started like formal school, we used to have this thing called mommy school. And my mom okay. had been a social worker and she also like had a lot of friends that were educators. And so she had all sorts of like every type of like book. And also I had a sister who's six years older. So it's like every type okay. of book, children's book, chapter books, encyclopedias, children's encyclopedias, educational books workbooks and worksheets. And I loved doing all that stuff. But I learned how to read before I went to school um, because I learned 
at home through like stuff that right. my mom had. And I just always loved to do it. I loved how like, you know, you just, you could just, you know, everybody says the same thing. You could transport yourself to a whole new place. Mm. And also too, I just love, I'm nosy. I love information. Um, <laughs> sometimes that comes out as a love of celebrity gossip, but sometimes like I'll read books and it feels like celebrity gossip because it's just so juicy. And it's been really interesting. Um, I have a niece who is five. And she started, she learned how to read very young. I mean, okay. she learned how to read maybe before her third birth. I mean, she was really like, uh, I was, okay. yeah, she learned how to read really early. And she learned it like daycare. She just went to a regular neighborhood daycare in Flatbush. And um, and she had a shout out, Mrs. Thomas. Hey, <laughs> uh, we love Thomas. a Thomas around here. Yes, shout out, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, she had a really amazing daycare that she went to, That, but it was like a lovely neighborhood daycare. And she just learned how to read early. And so it's been amazing to see over the past couple of years, her bloom as a reader. Mm. And uh, we recently were on vacation together last week, uh, a family vacation, and she was just like tucked away with a book all of the time. We were on the beach and she, we were like, do you uh, want to get in the water? No. Do you want to make sand castles? No. no. She was just reading. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know. It was, it was really interesting because it was like a moment where I was able to look at her and, and kind of realize how I must have looked to other people when I was a kid. I love that. Um, but yeah, I mean, now I have a job. I wasn't really big on homework when I was in school. My sister, she said I was a lifelong learner, but I wasn't like big on, <laughs> by the time I got to like high school, I was like, yeah, high school, college. I was like, yeah, I like the information. I'm like, I don't need to be hear with all y'all discussing this every day because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I don't even know if we're all on the same page. Yeah. Um, but I uh, now I like to say that I have a job that just is never ending homework because I'm always yeah. researching, always yes. like learning about something. I'm always reading a bunch of books at once for work. Uh, and so now like kind of the reading place where I'm at right now is like reading for pleasure versus reading for work. Um, Do you get to read for pleasure or like how much, if you had to break it down, like what would you say percentage wise is what you get to read for pleasure versus what you're reading for work? I would say I read probably 75% for work and 25% because okay. for, for pleasure, because I'm always reading something for work. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, one, one, one of the great perks of my job is I get a lot of books advanced notice. Yes. Um, I yes. get a lot of advanced review copies. Yeah. And also too, I get to, and I get to talk to authors too about their books that I really enjoyed um, or that I had more questions about after I read them. So I ended up learning a lot. But um, but also, oh, yeah, and then I just get sent a lot of books, even if I don't request them. Like once yeah. you get, you know, once you get on one oh, publicist list. Then, like, I've actually turned the corner from like, this is so great to leave me alone because <laughs> I get sent so many books now that I'm like, you don't, you obviously have no idea who I am because you've sent me three copies of... <laughs> Mussolini's wife, an Italian, like 1942 historical fiction featuring, you know, like those books where I'm just like, how do you have my address? How did you find me? (laughs) You're on list. You are on list that that I probably have never even heard of or. Yeah, I'm on the lists of your nightmares for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're lovely books, but like some of the lists I'm on, I'm just like, like, I don't know if I'm I'm like, is there another Tracy Thomas (laughs) who lives in this house? (laughs) Okay. One of the things that I love about you, and I think part of the reason I love it is because I do, I do relate to it so much is like, you're so curious. I feel like you're 
breadth of interests are are limitless. You know, like I feel like you Thank have you. covered so many different things in your years of doing audio journalism, podcasts, however you want to say. I think audio journalism sounds fancier, but I also am like, <laughs> it can I've just done be podcasts. Both. Yeah, it, it yeah, you've both, done yeah. it all. I mean, and so I'm wondering like how uh, how you think about curiosity, which I'm assuming for you is like sort of innate to you. So maybe you don't think about it. But if you had to, what might you think about it? Well, uh, that's a really good point. Actually, I do think that it is innate for me. It's not something that I have to work too hard at. Yeah. Um, But also one of the things that I have really been blessed with in my life is that I'm surrounded by a lot of curious people um, in my friend groups, but also in my family, Uh, specifically Mm. uh, all of the older people in my life. All right. the older people in my life are um, really curious. So it, it I never felt like it's something that like is only reserved for certain stages of life or certain age groups. Um, it's like the curiosity never ends. Um, mm. So that's like something that I, th- I think part of the reason why it's innate for me is because I've seen it practiced around me so much by the elders in my life. And um, also, I mean, the uh, it's uh, I will say about curiosity, it's something that I really find appealing in other people. Like when yeah. I was dating uh, before I met my husband eight years ago. Um, and I mean, like I had a list. I I, I actually <laughs> I had a list of qualities I was looking for um, in a partner and none of them were like tangibles. It was like a list of intangibles. Um, Got it. Yeah. It wasn't and, like drives a red car. No, 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 no. I mean, I know people have lists like that. More power to yeah. you if you feel like that's going to work or if it has worked for you and gotten you what you wanted. But yes, I had a list of intangibles. Um, and, I, and for those out there who think that's judgy, I also would put asterisks next to the qualities that I wanted in a partner that I Got didn't it. yet have myself. Um, okay. <laughs> but okay. um, curiosity was one of the biggest ones. And my, and my husband is an, an incredibly curious person. So it's like, we um, both get really excited about things and learning things and sharing them with each other. Um, And yeah. And so it's just, it's something it's, it's, it's a quality that I really enjoy in other people. Okay. And so you said it doesn't, it's not something you really think about like it Mm because it's innate in you. What are the things in your job that you feel like you really have to struggle with or like have to practice? Hmm. Well, okay. I'll say like something that I have, had to practice in my job that has <laughs> somewhat rubbed off on me in my personal life is that personally, I have a lot of strong feelings about things that I'm interested in or not interested in. <laughs> this is there what I'm saying. I relate things, to you so much. I'm just like, I don't even know anymore about that. Sometimes I'll just be like, what is this? I'm like, I don't, I don't even need to, I don't even need to know more. It's just not something, it's mm-hmm, not for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But with my job, I mean, we put out two podcasts a week. You combine those podcasts and that makes the radio show that plays every weekend on It's Been a Minute. And um, and we, like you said, we cover a variety of topics, uh, partially because I'm interested in a variety of things and, and uh, also because, I mean, I have an incredible team full of producers and you know, an editor and, you know, all the other people that, that help make our show happen at NPR who also, I mean are so different from each other and have so many like, but also have so many overlapping and, you know, outside interests. So like I'm constantly being introduced to new concepts and ideas and Mm. things all of the time, but also like, I mean, what show comes up 52 times a year. There's three to four segments in every episode. (laughs) 
like I am not great at math, which is why I work in audio. Um, same, same, but same. That's like, yeah, I mean, that's like over 150 segments I have to produce a year. Um, so there, there are very frequently um, times where I am introduced, it, introduced to ideas that like I either was not interested in before and mm-hmm. one of the producers like brought it to me in a way that I was like, oh, that is interesting. Or the point of the show is also to kind of like talk about things that are happening in America right. and, and to a certain extent around the world. And so there are things that I'm not interested in that I should talk about because they affect a lot of people or many people right. are interested in them. I ain't the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the world. I'm not really a Taylor Swift fan at all. At all. But I've ha- but she's period. somebody that I do have, period. But I, she's somebody that I do have to keep tabs on and keep track of because mm. she is um, consequential culturally. You know, yeah. like she's somebody who she is a huge cultural figure. And so it's like, right. you know, like you don't love everybody that you have to follow. But, you know, you don't, I, right. same way you don't love every aspect of culture or pop right. culture. You, you know, you don't love all of the people that you have to like right. learn about or read about or whatever. So I think that's the that's probably the thing where um, I have had to make a practice of being more receptive to things that are outside of like my interest base. Mm. And as a result though, like I end up with like so much knowledge that I otherwise wouldn't have. And I become interested in things that I, that I didn't think I would become interested in. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Is there, I mean, you don't have to get too into the nitty gritty. I'm only asking a lot of these questions because I'm independent and it's me and I have an editor who edits once I've recorded, <laughs> but like, I don't have a team of people that are like pitching me ideas or like mm-hmm. helping me create the show. So I'm wondering like when things come to you or in, when you're in your team meetings and stuff, how much do you get to be like, no, like I'm actually not interested in it and I don't want to do it versus like, how much are you bringing or are you saying like, we have to do this? Like, does it, does the buck stop with you? Is it like a vote type situation where like if people are into it, that's what happens. Ultimately the buck does stop with me. Like um, we have an editor and you know, she has to make sure that the ideas that we want to pursue are structurally sound and like, there's going to be a there there. But, but to a certain extent, all of the producers um, have great story sense and right. ask interesting questions. And so we all kind of play that role with each other. Because sometimes, you know, they as individuals are coming to me, or sometimes I'm throwing ideas out to them. Or sometimes someone's like, we really should talk about this thing. Like, this is something that actually is affecting a lot of people. And then we'll mm. try to figure out, well, what would be the best approach for our show? Because really, I mean, the way that we're working on, the way that I have, um, that I and, and, and my team are approaching, um, it's been a minute now, um, which, gosh, it's I'm talking to you right it's now a in year. August. Yeah. In a month, a month from now, um, I started working at NPR in mid September of 2022. So I'm approaching a year that I've been working there and Congratulations. Year that I've been hosting the show. Thank you. Um, but yeah, the approach that we have really wanted to take with the show is that, or that we are taking with the show is that culture is this thing that doesn't happen by accident. So if mm-hmm. there is something that is cresting in the culture, something that people are talking about, something that's happening out in the world, there are roots to that and there's a tail to that. And mm-hmm. we are going to pull all of those threads out. We are going to have, you know, not just the, you know, the culture conversations that, that, you know, will give you um, something that'll make you like the most popular, cool person at like your dinner party or in your right. group chat um, <laughs> or at your water cooler. But also um, we really are digging into why a specific cultural thing matters and what 
like reverberations it creates out in the real world. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people will hear about some of the things that we cover um, and they'll be like, well, why does it matter that there's a television show on AMC that's, you know, a remake of Interview with the Vampire and that the vampire is black? And it's like, oh, well, this is the history, the, right. some of the racial history around vampires. And also this is some of the history of the neighborhood of Storyville and in, in New Orleans, in Louisiana, at the turn of the century. Uh, and this is how black people were regarded. You know, we can pull all of those things out. So it's like, yeah, this thing that you're enjoying or this thing that you're not liking at all. <laughs> you yeah. know, this innocuous, this, this on its face innocuous TikTok trend of the vanilla girl actually has, you know, much scarier roots um, right, than right. it might seem like on its face. But um, I think of it as like a constant conversation where we're all, Um, all of us have, like I said, we have overlapping things that we're interested in, but everybody also has their own, um, specific background, uh, their own specific interests. Um, you know, the things that they do in their downtime that they're interfacing with that maybe not everybody else on the team is interfacing with. Um, and you know, people are from different places around the country. Um, and everyone's kind of bringing their spin into it. But at the end of the day, I'm the person who's going to be, you know, saying the words <laughs> right, like, right my face is on the show art and right. uh, so if people don't like something uh or it people, comes to you everything all the blowback <laughs> comes to me um so yeah so i do have like ultimate veto power but we have a pretty i would say uh as long as like the the structure is there the structure of the idea is there or we can get it there as a group um yeah. then pretty much anything's on the table yeah. I mean, I have to say, I was so excited. I was listening to your show and I you know, I went to listen to the, an episode and I saw that you had one of my best friends from college and also past guest of this show, Josh Segarra on talking oh, about the himbo. Oh, he was lovely. Josh was Isn't so he great. great? So he's great. He's so great. He's such a people pleaser. He's such like a like outgoing, like he's like so eager. He's such an eager person. <laughs> he was a and great I know guest. He was so he's much a fun. great guest. He's so great. And I think what's funny about Josh is like so many people are like, oh, you know, he's playing this himbo, blah, blah, blah. And, I'm, and Josh was like, yeah, I have to do all this acting. And I'm like, you're a fucking himbo, Josh. How dare you? <laughs> He's all of the things he describes as Lance. Like on your episode, he talked about how Lance is loyal and like sees the good. And I'm like, this is you. You might not be as dumb, like as like oblivious or whatever, but like you are a himbo at heart, an IRL himbo. So I love that he like got up there and talked about it. And I'm like, listen, because I've been thinking this for years about him. I'm like, he's pretending to be this character, but it's actually Josh. But that was, it was so much fun to talk to him. And also it was really fun to kind of like peel back the layers of like, what, yes. why people are so into himbos right now. Like people are into himbos, I think, because they're they're hungry for um, like a different expression of masculinity. Um, yeah. So it was really fun to talk to Josh because, yeah. I mean, he was so much fun. He was just like so down to play our silly game, Himbo Mania. Yeah. But yeah. also too, um, because, I mean, he really played one of the best himbos in TV history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a legendary himbo. Also, he's a lo- lover of WrestleMania. So as soon as that came up, I was like, oh, he's going to be all into ah, this. Did so you know funny. that about no, him? I didn't know that. I had a boyfriend who was really, really into WWE. So I n- know a, jo- a strange like amount about personality. That, this is the thing. <laughs> Anybody who's into wrestling, they ain't into it just a little bit. It is a no. thing. 
Oh no. <laughs> it is it, a thing. It's a it's a it's a graphic t-shirt moment. It's home decor. It's uh, <laughs> expenses. It's trips. Like Josh is so into it. So when you I was like, oh, she must have like known. Like no, I you know, I don't I but he's know. not really on social anymore. So I was like, I don't know. But it's, and then I was like, oh, he's so happy right now. <laughs> um, oh, it's totally to shift gears though. I want to ask you, do you, have you read Heavy by KSA Lehman? Yes. I listened okay. to that one on audiobook, actually. Yeah. Isn't it so good on audio? So good. So good it's on audiobook. It's, it's just so good. It's one of my favorite books. And one of the like big things he talks about in that book is revision. And I feel like revision mm. is something that I think about when I think about your career, because I think that like you have... You have been you, at least your podcasting career, like you have been you doing these things like for colored nerds. And then you guys brought it back. Like you were like, we're going to re revamp. Re, we're going to mm-hmm. come back to this thing. We're going to do it again. We're going to give it another shot. I think like with your job at It's Been a Minute, you came into a show that was existed under Sam Sanders that he created. Mm-hmm. People love Sam. I love Sam. He was our guest last Who month on the show. Love Sam? It's actually yeah. Sam's birthday today as we're oh, recording happy this. Birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Sam. It's <laughs> late when you hear it. Um, but you came in and you have to revise the show to make it. It's been a minute with Brittany Luce. And I'm just wondering, like, are you, th- how are you thinking about revision? Are you thinking about it? Or are you just sort of, I don't know, maybe like living your life and your work of, I don't know, there's something about you in revision that feels like you Hmm. are the embodiment of revision, maybe in publicly professional roles to me. Wow. Thank you. First of all, that's a huge compliment. Um, Well, there's a couple ways that I think that I'm thinking about this question. There's a couple of things that this is bringing up. Well, the first thing to your first question, like how am I thinking about revision with regard to it's been a minute? Um, Well, with the exception of one person on the team, um, there is nobody who worked on Sam's version mm. of IBAM that's still on um, the team now. Um, and also, too, I I think I also had the added benefit um, of having so many great guest hosts in between when Sam finished right. um, last spring and when I started last fall. So there were so many different people in the host chair, like for a month at a time over like that summer before I started that I think the audience got used to hearing a variety of things Mm -hmm. and from a variety Mm -hmm. of people. And so I think once they had somebody back in the seat on a regular basis, they were like, oh, okay, like this is so consistency, (laughs) that's cool. Um, But I'm not going to lie. It was really funny. We got, uh, when I first started, uh, we got a lot of like tweets Instagram messages, emails. Uh, it shows up in like the Apple podcast <laughs> reviews where people are like, you know, I didn't think that anybody could replace Sam. Or like, they'd be like, you know, I was ready to hate you. I thought you were going to do a really mm-hmm. bad job, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I actually like you. And I'm ex- I'm enjoying this new version of the show. <laughs> so I mean, like, look, the highest compliment. A lot of compliment. backhanded compliments. Yeah, backhanded compliments, <laughs> but also like the highest form, honestly, yes. of, uh, of praise that yeah. somebody was like, oh, I was prepared to fully dislike you. Like I came in with a chip on my shoulder. I came yes. in ready to hate you. And actually, I really love you. I love that. Um, But yeah, I mean, the approach that I have taken is just... I think the third thing that you mentioned, just kind of like being me, um, mm-hmm. I, I, unlike many people who who start who who are in audio or host podcast now, I didn't start off in audio, and I didn't start off as like a producer or anything like that, right. or, or rather a producer at like uh, of someone else's show or at another company. When we started for Color Nerds, Eric and I were producing that and editing it and doing everything 100 percent by ourselves. 
myself right, 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 for right. years. Um, and I, and also working on The Nod and working on Sampler, another podcast I hosted at Gimlet Media. Like I always had to do producing work, like cutting mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. booking things, writing, right. you know, all that stuff. And um, so I don't, uh, but as a result, because I didn't start off working for a local NPR member station or NPR or another podcasting company or something because I started independently and then was hired to host, I didn't learn how to fashion myself after mm. a house style or after another person. So any way that I approach, like I don't approach my voice or a specific slant in any kind of particular way. And I really focus on just doing work that is quality and trying to mm-hmm. figure out how to get the highest quality work um, out of myself and the team that I'm working with at a given point in time. And also too, I think I do think about the fact that I have like a pretty um, it's an immense platform being a, a nationally syndicated yeah. NPR show. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal and I don't take that for granted. And so I try to think about what are things that we can put out that are responsible journalism mm-hmm. um, and things that are informative, mm-hmm. but also things that are entertaining and that are going to like, I don't know, like tickle the audience's fancy to a certain yeah. degree. But yeah, the, the, that's pretty much the the approach that I take with, I, I didn't really think about it so, so much as um, revising as just like, well, who, how do I want to show up in this role? I was thinking, mm-hmm. it was a little more me centered than thinking specifically about the show. How do I want to show up um, in this role? Cause it was, I mean, I was, I was inheriting a team basically. I was, right. I wasn't like typically when I'd hosted before I had, you know, hired every single person individually mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. built the team from the ground up. And I've been so fortunate and that I have just such an amazing team who I adore so much and I love working with, but I, um, had really, uh, yeah, that, but like knowing that I was going to be coming into a new environment f- full of people who had been working together for some time to like already yeah. for at least a few months. Um, and you know, I didn't know how they were going to feel about me. I didn't know how they right. felt about each other. I didn't know how they felt right, about the show. Right. That was actually my bigger concern was just like, I'm stepping into a party that's already started when I'm used right. to starting the party. I'm used to hosting the party. Right, I used to right, start the right, party right. myself. <laughs> so that was actually, to me, the biggest challenge was like coming into like a team that was already like, you know, built to a certain degree and moving in and of itself. And and so it was less, it was like more so like, how do I fit in with these people, but also like gain their trust? Like, how do I gain their the trust of these people? Um, so I made that and like obviously you gain the trust of the listener as well, but you gain the trust of the listener through making entertaining, yeah. trustworthy content and, yeah. you know, doing things in a way that is high quality. Um, so, yeah, uh, as a, as a, in general about revision and all that sort of stuff, I'm a Scorpio, so we're really big into like death and rebirth. Okay. <laughs> Okay, terrifying. And, um, and I did not, not think you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually, I'm not religious at all, but there is this Bible verse. Hold on. It is Romans 12, 2. Not religious at all. Like really, okay. I was raised in the church, but not religious at all. But there's like one quote from the Bible that I'm like, they did that. Um, <laughs> and I think it's Romans 12, 2. It was like, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is something I think about a lot yeah. as like, and the reason why I know that quote is not because I was big into Bible quotes. I don't have a memory for the Bible very much, but it's Oprah's favorite Bible quote. So I okay. 
Okay, it. well, and but, she knows a thing or two about revision. Yeah, and so that's something I think a lot about is like I feel like I'm constantly, honestly, through a lot of the reading and the work that I do and the fact that like our episode life cycles, they change all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, or they're, they're, they're like beginning and ending all of the time. I'm always like working on a new episode, reading a new book, engaging with new ideas, talking to new people. And so right. I feel like I'm constantly changed by the work that I do. And mm-hmm. so like, how can I not show up as a, right. a new version of myself? You know, that's before we even get into just like me as a person growing and changing and maturing. So yeah, right. like I know a, a lot of like, I feel like, you know, there's always like an old version of me dying off and a new version of me is being reborn. I know that is so... <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes because that's yeah, so you're rolling woo. Your eyes. It's very woo. It's very <laughs> dramatic. But I feel like it's true. I mean, I definitely can relate to that because I think I feel that way too. It's like when you do a weekly show or bi-weekly in your mm-hmm. case, it's like you always have something starting. You always have something ending. Mm-hmm. You know, l- l- yesterday's episode was about um, blindness. And next week's episode is YA Lit about incarceration like yeah there's no way to stay static in these kinds of roles that we have because the job is to explore breadth and depth of many things you know it's not a job of like okay my podcast is about like my day today right it's like mm-hmm. there, we're constantly getting like input I think maybe it's like a way to say mm-hmm. it and like we're we're turning output we're turning around output but like I think for me, and I'm sort of speaking for you, but it's what I'm hearing from you is like the input is what affects the output less. It's not like we have to generate the output ourselves in the same way. Like we're getting information and we're condensing it and we're figuring it out and then giving it to the world. And in that figuring out part, it's changing us too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah. Okay. Well, wait, we're going to take a break and then we'll be right back. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Okay, we're back. I did not prep you for this. We call this part Ask the Stacks. People email askthestacks at thestackspodcast.com. They're asking for a book recommendation, um, and it's our job to give them one. I will give them three. You can give them anywhere between one and three, depending on if this speaks to you or not. Um, And you can go first or second, depending on how you feel about the question. So this comes from Ashley, and they say, I'm looking for a book that will make me cry. (laughs) Ashley. (laughs) Uh, Mm. It can be fiction or not. The tears can be happy or sad. I just want to cry. Ashley, I love you. Whatever you're going through, we're here for you. Um, (laughs) That sounds very bleak, but I also can relate to wanting to cry sometimes when I read a book. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You go first. I'm like, I'm really thinking about it. You go first. Okay. I actually have a few. The first one that popped into my head, Ashley, is like a super backlist book that I read in high school and I still think about it makes me sad, Mm. is Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. Oh, that book really rocked me. I don't even really remember it well. I just know that he's like hanging out with Mitch Album is like friends with this older guy who's dying essentially, and the guy's like telling him his life story and his memories, and and it's it's really it's just like a good sad dying book. <laughs> um, so that one will make you cry. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I think is like a pretty common choice, but this book made me cry very hard. And I know some people hate it, but it's A Little Life by Hanya Yanigahara. Mm. Um, it's de- People have described it as trauma porn. So if you want like very bleak times and lots of tears, like I kicked my, I was on a trip with my best girlfriend. I kicked her out of the hotel room so I could cry alone in Thailand oh my in gosh. a bathtub. <laughs> I was like, I just need this right now. <laughs> and then the last one I'll pick is... um. A graphic memoir nonfiction book called Seek You by uh, Kirsten Radke. And it's all about loneliness. And there's a part of the book where she's talking about the experiment with the monkeys um, and the moms. And it's like the baby monkeys, they take the mothers away and replace them with like cold metal monkey dolls that have food, or they replace them with like warm, cozy monkey dolls that don't have food. And it's like, the way that that affects the baby monkeys and uh, that part really just <laughs> ripped me open. Oh. So those are all my books. They're all sad tears, Ashley. I don't have happy tears. I don't do that. Um, okay, Brittany, do you have any tearful books? Yes, I have one. And you know, what? I, now that you mention it, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I end up crying a lot while reading books, Same. which I'm like, maybe I should explore that. But um, the last book that I can think of that really made me do that, and this was a while ago, I read this book, but it's so good. The 12 Tribes of Hattie by Ayanna Mathis. Um, It is about, um, it's like a multi-generational, almost like 
it almost feels like an anthology. Like each okay. chapter is basically a short story um, that is like from the perspective of one of like 12 people, essentially. Um, it's about this woman, Hattie, who's like the matriarch of this family that migrates uh, to the north from Georgia in the 1920s. And then as the story kind of mo- like the story moves forward in time, but you get the perspective of a different child with each chapter, okay. hence the 12 tribes, the 12 children. Um, and uh, it is just, it's just heartbreaking. Mm. It's just heartbreaking, but it's really beautiful. And um, on my mom's side, we have uh, our family migrated north from Georgia, uh, or at least some of our family migrated north from Georgia. Um, and yeah, it was like, I don't know, I felt like a a, a deep kinship with uh the lineage of the characters, even if I didn't share their same experiences in life. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's a heartbreaking story, but it's very, very beautiful. And I mean, you'll you'll rip right through it. It's really, really good. I love that. Okay, Ashley, if you read any of those books, let us know. And also everyone else, email askthestacks at thestackspodcast.com to get your book recommendations read on the air by me and whoever else is joining me. Um, Okay, Brittany, now we get to talk about all your favorite and least favorite books. So we start here (laughs) with everyone. Two books you love, one book you hate. Um, Two books I love. Um, one is, uh, Caucasia by Danzy Senna. Mm. I just love it. It is such a wild odyssey. It is, uh, one of the most incredible books to me about like family and identity and Mm -hmm. how, um, differently those things can show up both physically, but emotionally and, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, and intellectually, um, but uh, it also lots of parts of it are just really, really funny. I think that's one of my favorite things about Daisy Senna's books is that like she could be writing about the most off the wall shit, yeah. <laughs> like or like the most serious shit, you know. Like for instance, Caucasia is about a young girl who basically is forced in, like forced to go on the run. Um, a young biracial girl in the 1970s in in New England who's like forced to go on the run with her white mother and and basically poses a white girl because of a whole bunch of other stuff going on. And she's separated from her older sister um, who is forced to go on the run with their black father. And um, it's, but like that's obviously there's a lot going on there, but it's also, there's so so many parts of it. that are just so fucking funny. Um, So that is a book that I love. And another book that I love is um, Maud Martha by Gwendolyn Brooks. Mm. It is a fantastic novella. Um, and it's just like about an ordinary black girl who grows into an ordinary black woman. And it, and each chapter is like a vignette um, from her life. And it was a book that, I don't know, maybe my older sister had to read it for college or something like that. I have no idea how a copy of this book got into my home when I was <laughs> younger because um, I read it when I was a teen. I read it again as a young adult. It's actually getting to be time for me to read it again now that I'm grown, grown and I'm at a different I mean, like, you know, because you see Ma yeah. Martha grow from child to like grown, grown married woman, it's fun to revisit um, and just sort of see, get like a peek into her mind. But again, like, I don't know, many people think of Gwendolyn Brooks as um, only as a very famous Chicago poet. But um, this novella, I don't know, you get to see inside of her mind and how it works in a totally different way. And Maude has all of these wry observations about the world around her. And I really love it because, how do I put this? This is something you see across a lot of 
media that gets mainstream production support or mainstream publishing support. You see it in books, you see it in plays, TV show, film, across the board. Right. There'll be, I'm sorry, just sometimes really corny stuff that <laughs> I think is probably made by well-meaning Black people. But like, it's one of these things where I'm like, who is this for? Who are you? Who right. are you either performing for, or who are you over-explaining to, or what? Like, who is this? Yes. Who is this story meant to benefit? Um, yes. And Maude Martha, it feels so much like the thing that you would want now. Like that, mm. I think many of us are hungry for now. That's just like a thing about a black person as opposed to a thing about blackness. Right. Um, when I when I say thing, I mean mostly I'm talking about like fiction. There's a lot of, I mean obviously nonfiction. There's a lot of nonfiction that's fantastic about blackness as it right, should be. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, or there are things that are kind of about blackness that are fiction, but that are doing it in a really sophisticated way. But there's right. a lot of unsophisticated stuff out there that really should be about people, but it's really about blackness. Yeah. And Maud Martha is a phenomenal book about a black girl who grows up into be being a woman and just the ordinariness of her life. But it gets at all of these things like the awkwardness of making white friends and bringing them over to your house mm. and the, but also like, and also it gets at colorism and how you can feel kind of trapped within marriage. Like it gets, it gets at all of those things um, without it being a message. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So that book is like a book that I hold very, very dear that I don't think enough people talk about or know about. So yeah, those are two books that I love. Okay. What's the book that you hate? You actually mentioned it. I actually hate a little life by Yeah, I hate a little life. I just I know, it's very I, polarizing. I, maybe I should have read it in book form. I go back and forth. I mean, I there are books that I I read books in a variety of forms. Sometimes I read them like physical paper copies, sometimes I'm reading them on an e-reader, and sometimes I am listening to them on audiobook. A little life mm-hmm. I listen to oh. on audiobook. That I, seems maybe like that a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I was just like, God. Damn. How um, long is it on audio? It takes a long time, but I It's got to be like 24 hours. Yeah, it's it I think it might even be that long or possibly longer. It could be in like the 30s, I don't know. But it's a long audiobook, which I don't mind. Um like pro tip, reading memoirs on audiobook is always If you if you're trying to get into audiobooks, memoirs, huh, memoir. Memoir read by the author. Read by the author. I feel like if you can get a good celebrity memoir read by the author, yes. that's the gateway. Like yes. Trevor Noah, Mariah Carey, yes. Ooh, Carey. Viola Davis. Ooh, those also, ones. I'm one. Jeanette maybe, McCurdy. This is a little, ooh, I haven't listened to Jeanette McCurdy's. I should. Hers is good it. on audio. Um, kind of an offhand pick, but Isaac Mizrahi. He has his memoir is oh. called I Am, and he's lived an incredibly interesting life. There's all like a lot of times I listen to audiobooks too by people who maybe like. I mean, I used to watch his TV show when I was a kid, so like I'm super into Isaac Mizrahi, so it was fun to, re- <laughs> fun to listen to. But um, I also will just like listen to people's audiobooks that are just interesting, yeah. especially if they're read by that. Oh my god, Just Kids by Patty Smith. Uh, 10 out of 10. That one's like a 20 out of 10. Is and it on audio? T- it's so good. Oh, it's so good because she's got that okay. beautiful gravelly voice. And I wasn't ever really a big fan of her music. Not to say that I didn't like it. Just more so just wasn't. It wasn't my vibe. It wasn't my flavor. Right. Um, but I probably heard some NPR interview with her about the book like I don't know, years ago. And then, um, yeah, I started listening to it. On. I also like I'm a big fan of listening to audiobooks that are location specific. So like if oh. I'm in L.A., I'll listen to like somebody whose memoir is like in LA. in L.A. And then I can kind yeah. of like get a feel for the fun. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. way off topic. But yeah, okay. I just didn't like a little life. I think I was I think at one point I was listening to it out loud without 
headphones or something like that when I was like cleaning or you and my husband were moving. He was like, what is this sad ass book? Yeah. Like, what the hell is this? Um, but I think for me, I felt like I, I was, I couldn't get a feel for why the author made the characters suffer. So like Luster by Raven Leilani is a phenomenal mm-hmm. book. And the main character of that book suffers. <laughs> I, would, right. I would say suffers quite a bit. But there was something about the way that it was written and the way that it was approached that didn't make it make me feel as the reader like it was for not or for mm. no reason. Yeah. Um, or like give me questions about like the author's vantage point. Um, and that a little life for me did. But I know it's a very divisive book because I know people who love it. You love yeah, it. I'm you in just the middle. It, yeah. No, I don't love it. Oh, you I don't love it. It's you're a in great book to make you cry. Ah. That was the question. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> you know, I was giving technical. a specific recommendation. <laughs> I liked the book when I read it, but every time I think about the book, I have a new problem with the book. Like every time I go back in my brain mm. and I'm like, why did she do that? Or like, this is not what people say that it is. And I, a lot of times for me, my problems with books sometimes are how I feel like the world has received them versus mm. what I've actually read off the page. Real. Like there are books where people are like, oh, this book is a searing indictment of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this book had a lot of storytelling problems and it was not a searing indictment. It was a good idea that was a big mess after 250 pages. <laughs> um, so a lot of times like my book criticism brain is also critiquing like what actually happened versus what people wanted or felt like happened because that like I think sometimes people jump to to fix books or movies or tv shows to make them be a thing they can like Mm. does that make sense Mm -hmm, like I mm -hmm, like I feel like mm -hmm. that about the Barbie movie like people were like oh the Barbie movie such a feminist da 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 and I'm like the Barbie movie has serious storytelling issues the feminism is weird yeah (laughs) like like the movie's about most (laughs) well-developed character and like i had a i had a good time like i saw the movie with friends and i had fun i had a lot of fun and i thought that they were cute it was really cute and like i thought that it was like it had a lot of interesting ideas in it and like there are some quibbles i have with the execution of some of these ideas or how some of these ideas where i'm just like oh if we had just worked on the script a little bit more we had to work on it we had to work i thought the performances were great the production design was great and it was a good it was a it was a key it was a good it was a good little time yeah but yes i i agree with what you're saying where it's just sort of like like this has to be something and mean something or this has to be the most important film about patriarchy and feminism in america can you believe it? And I'm like, no, I can't believe it. That's not what we watched. <laughs> like it's, it was cute. It, was, it wasn't all that. Anyways, what are you currently reading right now? I'm reading a couple things. So my aforementioned niece and I, um, who's five, she's five. She's awesome. Um, we don't, we used to live in the same city and now we don't anymore. And um, so we are in a book club, me and her. We're reading Matilda by Will uh, Dahl, which is a book I loved when I was growing up. And um, and it's fun because it's like it's like um, she's started reading chapter books. And this one is like like it's hard to find chapter books that are age appropriate, but still like feel exciting or challenging to her. So this one's like a little bit of a stretch. And so she, it. it's like and it was fun because when we were on vacation last week, we got to read like next to each other. She's like a uh, book club is when two people read in the room together. And I was like. It can be. Yeah. <laughs> like, I that's don't know if that's what it is for everybody, but that is an option. And so it was cool because um, 
we got to kind of like talk about it. And she like asked me what a speedometer was. And I was trying to explain to her. And then I was like, oh, no, you still sit in a child seat in the back of the car. You mm-hmm. don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but it was fun. Like there were certain Britishisms that we were both kind of like, I don't know what this is. That's but so um, she's so smart. It's so fun. And she's been eat, reading the book and I'm reading the book. So she got two copies from like a used bookstore. So I have a copy and oh, she has a copy. So I'm reading that. that. I'm also reading, um, I'm in a movie club with so many smart and wonderful friends. And um, one of my friends is a TV writer and he suggested um, months ago that I read Betrayal by Howard, uh, by Harold Pinter. So I've been reading that, uh, which oh, is a play. A play. Uh, and I, yeah, I do like to read plays. Um, I love plays. I was a I theater major, so I like to read, oh. I love to read plays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I, there's something really fun about them. And also too, sometimes it's like you get that, like that hit of story. Cause I like, I love mm-hmm. story. So you get that mm-hmm. hit of story. If you don't want to commit to like a whole book thing, you can read. Like you don't a really need all the description. Play. You can just have the action. Exactly. Exactly. Plays are all plot basically. Exactly. Which is my Literally happy all plot. place. It's just like, yeah. ah. um, it's like rock candy where it's just like, everything's yeah. been boiled down. Um, and you can read them in one sitting because they're meant to be like, two or three hours long like exactly. i'm not i don't have to give you seven days for this book i can be in and out exactly and i also been reading um dyscalculia um oh uh, yeah i might mispronounce this person's name by come on felix come on felix yeah, yeah she on came felix. on this show earlier this yeah, year. yeah 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 um but yeah no i've been i've also been reading dyscalculia by come on felix um and those are the things that i've been reading for fun and the thing that i've been reading right now for work is an upcoming um, nonfiction book called Fair Play by a uh, sports writer, Katie Barnes. They mm. um, wrote this book that is this deeply researched and reported exploration into gender and sports. Um, we're working on uh, a segment about uh, the, the current surge in popularity or the recent surge in popularity, the WNBA. I Ooh. recently went to my first WNBA game as a, and I'm a not, I'm an anti-sports girly. And I had the time of my life. I yes. lost my shit at the W. I was like, wait, I'm like, maybe the thing I've been missing this whole time <laughs> is women's sports. I'm like, maybe I would have liked sports if I was centered in them. And so yeah. I, um, yeah. And so like now I've like, like me and my husband are going to go back to another game. Um, and I've been like keeping up with highlights and the scores and things like that. Getting Because the, the playoffs are coming you. soon. So yeah. So like, I mean, I've been like anti-sports. Another fun thing, like I said, it's been rubbing off in my real life. Me being like, I'll be open to something new. Um, so, yeah. So those are the things that I'm reading right now. I love it. I'm a big sports person. I love sports. I can watch any sport, basically. I could give any sport the time of day, except for I'm not wild about um, boxing. Like, I don't like hitting. So any mm. physically hitting bare body parts together, I can't do. So, like, MMWW, whatever. I boxing, know. I can follow. But also part of it is that. It's like, it's very straightforward. I have a problem yeah. with rules. I cannot remember rules. I see. It's the same reason okay. I can't play games because <laughs> I can't follow, unless it's like a board game where they have everything written down. Oh. If it's like chess or checker, I can't, I don't even remember how to play checkers. I've never played okay. checkers because. Yes. You I and can't. I are different here. I love a rule. My life is, if there's a rule, I will know it and I will tell you you're breaking it. I'll be like, oh, that's not the rule. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. You're playing checkers. Actually, um, you can't do that. Uh, anyway, so you lose a turn. My turn again. Uh, it's like the combination of loving a rule and being super competitive for me is like mm. the center of my personality. And I can't, mm. that's the one time I can never be chill. If someone like breaks a rule in a game, I'm like, uh-huh. So nice. Thank you. Um, you're wrong. You lose. Bye. <laughs> um, how do you pick the next book you're going to read? A lot of times it's determined by work and a deadline. Um, 
And then like right now, as I mentioned, I'm reading three things for fun and um, one thing for work because we're kind of in like a hiatus moment for the next couple oh, nice. of weeks. So this is kind of like a slower period where I can sort of be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, like um, like choose what I want and kind of enjoy it. Uh, but the uh, but like I have kind of random lists in different places of things that I want to read. Um, and also I get sent a lot of books, too. So there's like a, a lot of books that I can always choose from to crack open. But the other thing too, is also like if people get a lot of like people give me recommendations. So like, um, uh, you made a fool of death with your beauty. Oh, that's our book club pick ooh, in for August. Ooh, I know. I'm so ooh, excited. I just read it. Ooh. <laughs> and like, I have been me it been on my mind and uh, on a list of, you know, for me to read for a while, but I was like at Amtrak station. I needed something to read for the next four hours. And it had that gorgeous, beautiful cover. And so I was like, boom, got it. And, um, I mean, in that book, whew, that was a good one. And uh, But then reading that one got me into like, oh, yeah, I forgot I love reading romance because I do like reading romance a lot. But I was like, oh, I forgot I love reading romance. And so now I've had Red, White, and Royal Blue on audiobook oh. for like two years, but I had never gotten around to it. But now that the movie is out, people are like, you know, the move, the book is better than the movie. So I'm like, let me go ahead and start listening. Like, that's the next thing I'm going to start reading for pleasure. Okay. So I'm like, I, that's how I sort of just like, I don't know. It's like, what what's my vibe? And do I actually have free time? To yeah, read totally. For fun? Totally. <laughs> Are there any genres that you don't like or that you avoid? Well, I would say I'm not big into animals. Okay. But I really enjoyed uh, Sabrina Imbler's. Uh, how far, how far the, the light, light reaches. reaches. So, so good. That's the thing is like, again, I can kind of be convinced yeah. into reading I feel the same anything. about that. Yeah. I felt the same about that book. I was like, and I don't like the ocean. I was like, sea creatures. Interesting. <laughs> now that, I'm that scared. Is, I do. I am scared, but I do actually like the ocean. Like I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, I am afraid of it, but I do like it. But yeah, I was like, animals, are we mm-hmm. sure? But like I love crabs. They did, they did You're gonna that. write a book about crabs, right? No thanks. <laughs> From the first chapter about goldfish, I was like, mm, they got I me. I was like, I hate it here. <laughs> no, yeah. I, when I started the book, I was like, I, it was the same thing you were saying before. I want to hate this. Everyone says it's great. I want to hate this. And then I was like, oh, okay, so Sabrina Imler is a genius. Cool. Right. Cool. I was like, Thank and I, and the thing is, I had read their essays, and I was like, this person can really write. <laughs> but I was like. Yeah. The true test will be: Can you get me to care about animals? And it's like, well, you did. And that's like, you did yeah. I'm like, it's just like, not that I'm not. I just not that I like don't care about animals like in general, but it's just more so like they're not my favorite reading subject. Yeah. Um, but then now I'm like, well, now I got to read Ed Young's book. Ed Young, that's the next one for I'm, me too. Now I guess I <laughs> just love animals now. Call yeah. me when you read Marley and Me. That's how we'll know you've really gotten full <laughs> animals. <laughs> That'll be that'll actually be exotic for me because I'm not really a pet girly. So I'm not either. I'm allergic. I'm not, to I'm not into it. I'm allergic to everything. Everything. Oh my we gosh. had albino frogs when I was growing up because the, the maintenance was low, and we got them for my piano teacher. It's a long story, and also because I'm allergic to everything. We didn't know they were going to be albino until they grew. They fully grew, and I was like, "Girl, why did you give us these ugh, scary ass <laughs> frogs with red eyes? What were you thinking?" But anyway, lots another story. For I love that, time. and you've never had a pet since. <laughs> hello 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 there you go okay um what's your ideal reading setup location time of day beverage snack temperature Mm. accoutrement uh where i end up reading most often is either in my for fun i'm reading in bed before sleep 
Okay. Not all the time. I also am like a huge TikTok user. I mean, the other thing is I make it sound like I read all this stuff. I do read a lot. Like I do actually do read a lot. But I, I also like watch a ton of television. I watch so mm-hmm. much trash, garbage television. Okay. And I watch a sickening amount of TikToks. Um, okay. So I also am like a big TikTok before bed, which everyone's like, oh, it's bad. But it's like, you know what? You only get one life. So who cares? Um, but I uh, see. So yeah. For pleasure, I'm I'm reading in the bed at night. And then, but the thing is, then I end up reading something really juicy. And then I'm just up being up like, all oh night. my God, that's how, who had me like that? Um, Akwaike Emezi had me like that with, mm-hmm. you made a fool of death with your beauty. Oh my God. Bolu Babalola had me like that with honey and spice. Okay. I'm sitting there reading this college romance, losing my shit every night. <laughs> and Emily Henry has had me in a chokehold in that way oh. repeatedly. Also, Rebecca Weatherspoon, if you're into the... The if you're into the uh, more erotica, uh, okay. more erotic romance, Rebecca Weatherspoon will have you all the way fucked up. So if I'm reading a juicy romance, then my ass is up. And then also too, I'll say Caucasia had me. Any Dan, actually no, any Danzy Santa book, new has people, me up. new new people. I'm like Maria. Girl, I still think about Maria and where she was under when the, the book bed. Ended. Yes, I was like, girl. Wh- I think about that all the time. All I'm like, the girl, time. what is going on? So those books like that will have me messed up. And then if I have to read for work. I will sit on my couch and usually it'll be for, it has to be first thing in the morning okay. before I get all, like I enjoy the books that I read for work, but something about knowing that it's for work. Same thing with the documentaries. I have to watch documentaries. Well, now it's documentaries because of the strikes, but like a lot of TV shows, films and things like that. I love watching them, but I try to keep separation between what I'm doing. Cause there's a lot of things that like I end up watching that I like for work, mm-hmm. but I try to keep it for the most part to a working time so that I feel like some separation between my work life and my personal life. So, yeah. Okay. You mentioned documentary. Mm -hmm. I was not planning to talk to you about this, but have you watched the deepest breath on Netflix? No. What is that? Brittany. What is it? This is my whole personality. Oh my gosh. I just said this. My husband is a documentary film editor. And so we watch a lot of documentaries. This is going to go over great in my household. It is about free diving. Have you, do you know what that is? I, that, Ooh, my claustrophobia is uh, claustrophobic. Okay, this movie will make you sick. Okay, I, I had nightmares after I watched this movie. It is about these two free divers. It's a sort of love story, thriller, and for me, horror film because it takes place in a place I do not like the ocean. Oh my God. Uh, it is so captivating. I, after I finished watching it, I spent the next 36 hours doing nothing but researching free diving and free diving related things. I got no work done. I was like supposed to read an entire book over this past weekend. (laughs) Nope. No, couldn't do it. Couldn't even open the book. I was like, bitch, you're writing essays about your life. How dare you when people are free diving? (laughs) You have to watch it. It's insane. I'll watch it. My, um, my, uh, husband edited a piece, maybe it was a year or two ago, um, for like Vice News or something like that, that was like about like deep sea divers, this woman who was deep sea diving because her father had done it. But the woman who was like, like the person who was like the journalist who went with them um, and followed them, she like did all this breath training and all this stuff like that. Where I was like, give me a, give me a boat. Give me a submarine. And I don't want a submersible. Right. I don't want to be that deep. No, I'm not going like, to be on a... I'd I'm like not, to be on the submarine Nemo ride at Disneyland. I, That's I about like, as deep as I'm going. I am a fabulous swimmer. I have survived a 
boat sinking. It makes it sound like it was a Titanic size boat. Yeah, it was like I a feel small like sailboat it, sinking. But like, and it was like in the middle of a small bay and like a small lake. But like, you know, I I don't have I like I do I don't really fear water. I fear like the depths of the ocean though. Yes, and so certainly. I don't want to be. I don't need to be in a submarine. I don't no, need to be down you. there, and I don't need to be holding my breath for nine, ten, twenty five minutes to go down the diving deep, Mm-mm. feeling that Mm-mm. pressure in the dark. Mm-mm. 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 I'll check no. it out though. Yeah, the movie gets you, makes you feel like you're there without having to be there. <laughs> um, okay, I just have a few last quick ones for you. Mm-hmm. What is the last book that made you laugh? I haven't read anything that funny lately. I mostly have been reading a lot of, well, actually, no. When I started reading Matilda last week with my niece, okay, I was like, no wonder I like this book so much. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's so silly. Um, yeah, so that was okay. probably the last book that made me laugh. What about a book where you felt like you learned a lot? Okay, so um, gosh, I'm always reading books that make me feel like I learn a lot for work. But there was one that I read recently um, in the past few months that I just really like I ate it up. I'm in what a, a period of my life that I call mom curious, where I'm like, you know, exploring the possibility of having children um, um, at some point fairly soon. And um, there's this book by uh, this writer and journalist and author, Virginia Soul Smith called Fat Talk. So I, I read like um, oh, yeah. a fair amount of books about like ch- like raising kids or like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what you know it's it's something that comes up with work and and sometimes it just like I, I find them interesting or I get like I know that my friends are looking at those books too, um, but it's called actually I have it right next to me hold on uh, it's called Fat Talk Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture by Virginia Soul Smith um, mm-hmm. I learned so much about how we think about children and fatness or how we've been Mm. conditioned to think about um, children and fatness and actually what matters when feeding children um, and like their nutrition. Yeah. It's a great book. It also like, I, I also like, I follow like a lot of parenting content and, um, and like the whole thing about like what, how and what to feed your children, obviously you're you're teaching them how to eat. And so I know that there's a lot that goes into that, but there are some people out there that make it seem like it's like this, um, not like through the child's pickiness or anything like that. All that stuff I think is pretty normal and difficult, but like, just that, like you can feed your children the wrong food and it's going to ruin their life. And and yeah, she gets into so much research around that that it's just like, girl, no. Ooh, and another book, actually. Wait, one more. This. Okay. I gotta recommend. I would recommend to anybody. And if you haven't had Elise on, I would be like, you gotta have Elise on. Oh, I um, haven't, but I know about this one. Oh, Flawless. please have her on. Flawless Lessons in Looks and Culture from the K Beauty Capital by Elise Hugh. Woo! The book, I learned so much about the technology and the business of beauty, not just Mm. in South Korea, um, which has like just a hugely gigantic and all-encompassing beauty uh, industry, which she gets into in the book. Um, But it also just like where the beauty industry is going and how we see that like making waves in the United States. Um, Yeah, I'm really interested in beauty culture. I love reading stuff about like beauty culture. Um, And yeah, I thought this book was phenomenal. Elise is such a great reporter and um and the book i just i swallowed it it was so good okay 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 sorry thank you for adding to my list i always hate when people add to my list but i always get so excited that i end up reading those books right away so i'll be re- i'll give, be giving you a book report shortly um okay two more questions mm-hmm. one is if you were a high school english teacher what's the book you would assign to your students Mod martha okay. that is i think it's like the perfect i think being a i think being teenaged is like the perfect time to read that book. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that like very few books that I read, if any, when I was in high school, I mean, I granted, like everybody has different experiences. I grew up going to school around a lot of white people um, and white teachers. Um, but we, I don't think ever read any books that were from the perspective of black women or girls. Mm-hmm. I read them on my own, but they weren't assigned to me. Right. Um, and then, and the writing is so beautiful and the story is so rich. And I think that like, I don't know. I think what you what books you read in school teach you how to consider other people's interiority. And um, yeah. And I think that uh, like I I am always hungry for black women's interiority, black Mm -hmm. femme interiority in literature and what I'm in in nonfiction, what I'm reading. Um, And I think that. uh, um, Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people in this country that would do well to have that perspective as well. Okay, last one, and this mm-hmm. kind of ties in. If you could require the current president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden, to read one book, what would you want it to be? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Your face. You're it's like so, disgusted well, it's by such the question. A big job, and it's so massive. It's such a massive question. Um, I think, oh, you know what? I read this way back in the day. Uh, so way back when ta Coates was writing for the Atlantic, blogging for the Atlantic, he led this online like book club, basically, uh, for people who were reading um, what is considered like one of the essential books about the Civil War, Battle Cry of Freedom, the Civil War Era by James McPherson. Um, I should actually revisit that, but I think I don't know that. Oh, it's, I mean, it's a thick, I mean, this is like a four incher. It's a big, it's a thick book. Um, but it's kind of like the, I think it's kind of like the civil war history book. And it really is really helpful for me to understand like, okay, I'll put you like this, like my high school history, one of my high school history teachers, the one that taught like the civil war, like elective, Was even though I'm from Michigan, he was a um, reenactor for the Confederacy. Nope. Who was from Georgia, and mm-hmm. kept a Confederate flag Mm-mm. on the back of in his the classroom. classroom. Yeah, on the back <gasps> wall. No. Yeah. Um. And people just thought it was like a funny quirk. <laughs> so funny. Weirdly oh enough, God, he's me, hilarious. Yeah. Weirdly enough, me and my older sister were like two of his favorite students. It was so weird because I was like I didn't particularly like love him. Um. But I think I was just always watching him. I was like, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't trust this environment. <laughs> I, I had a teacher like that too, who was like heavy Republican guy. Loved, I mean, I and I remember I said something about Condoleezza Rice, and he like got mad at me. And but he also ended up writing my college recommendation letters. <laughs> like he loved me, <laughs> but I was Random. also like, I was like, don't fucking Condoleezza Rice me, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, no, uh-uh, we're not, here, we're uh-uh. not doing that. Um, but yeah, no, I think that, I think that that book is like one of the, uh, most, I I didn't think I would be, I was into history books necessarily or like big, thick American history books until I read that one. It just, it, you really understand like the formation of capitalism in the United States and you understand, um, like what was all at stake throughout Mm -hmm. different the different parts of the civil war. And you also understand a lot of foundational things about the, the business of slavery. So yeah, I would say I would assign him that book. All right, everyone that this has been a conversation with Brittany Luce. Brittany will be back the last week of September on September 
27th to discuss Monsters, A Fan's Dilemma by Claire Dieterer. If you've been paying attention to me on social media, you know this is a book I have been dying to do. I think Brittany is just the person to delve into this book because there is a lot of stuff in it. Um, So we'll be back at the end of the month for book club. Brittany, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I never really get to talk about all the books I read, but I read a lot. I'm realizing now talking to you. I'm glad that you read a lot because it gives us lots to talk about. Um, Everyone else, we will see you in the stacks. All right, y'all, that does it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Brittany Luce for being our guest. I'd also like to say thank you to Emma Gordon for helping to make this conversation possible. Make sure you listen when Brittany returns for our September 27th episode, which will be a discussion of the Stacks Book Club pick, Monsters, A Fan's Dilemma by Claire Dieterer. If you love the show and want inside access to it, head to patreon.com slash the Stacks and join the Stacks Pack. Make sure you're subscribed to the Stacks wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. For more from the Stacks, follow us on social media at the Stacks Pod on Instagram, threads and tiktok and at the stacks pod underscore on twitter and you can of course check out our website thestackspodcast.com this episode of the stacks was edited by christian duenas with production assistance from lauren tyree our graphic designer is robin mccrite and our theme music is from tagirajis the stacks is created and produced by me tracy thomas 